Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have Matt Barnett, founder and papa bear of Bonjoro. In this episode, we discussed how videos can help retain customers and reduce churn, how to craft a hyper-personalized video for your customers, and how to choose the right integration partnerships for your software. We also discussed Bonjoro's current journey in nailing their ideal customer profile, one thing that Matt wished he knew earlier when it comes to churn and retention, and why you should always foster genuine relationships with your customers. As always, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With the browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael. And here's today's episode. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Andrew, awesome to be here. It's great to have Matt on the show. For the listeners, Matt is the papa bear of Bonjoro. Bonjoro helps customer success teams convert and retain more customers through personal video. Prior to Bonjoro, Matt ran a research agency through video from which they spun out Bonjoro. He has founded multiple companies and has a passion for product. We still leads product as well as his role as papa bear at Bonjoro. So my first question for you, Matt, is what is the Papa Bear responsible for? Uh, the Papa Bear is responsible for doing all the jobs that no one else in the company wants to do. All the worst jobs, running the team, running the culture, keeping everyone going, keeping everyone fed, and then juggling running product alongside that. Uh, and let's talk about the product then a little bit. So what is it that Bonjour does exactly? I gave a very brief overview, but maybe you want to talk us through a little bit more. How do you use Bonjour to retain customers and reduce churn? Yeah, for sure. So, so Bonjour is a layer that sits on top of, of your customer data source. So CRMs like Intercom, ActiveCampaign, mail, mailing lists like MailChimp, all the way through to Shopify's, Patreon's. And what we found is that certain points on the customer journey, so generally around conversion, activation, or, or retention, it pays to send personalized video messages to customers to help get them to take a next action. So for instance, triggers are up to you, how you decide how they work. But if, if Joanne performs X in the platform, then we'll notify you and say, look, this is a great time to send Joanne a personalized message and ask her to go and do something. And so you'll be recording a video specifically for Joanne saying, hey, Joanne, saw you signed up from Entreport, noticed you'd done X, Y, Z, but you got stuck here. My name's Matt, would you like help? Um, and so that video is bundled up and sent off to her instead of a generic email. And we find that these messages tend to get 
about three times response rates of emails. Um, they receive very well and they help drive customers to the next action. That's, That's excellent. Uh, three times response rates, I think is incredible. Considering as well, like that early stage, it's really, really critical to capture attention of your users or you've typically lost them after a few days. The thing, how is personalization done as well? So, and at scale, like what sort of customers are using your product? Like how many uh, like video messages would a typical customer success manager be sending to customers? Yeah, so look, we, so just t- types of users, it tends to be more of a, more of a job, a job to be done approach. So, you know, we have, we have medical users through the e-coms, through the SaaS, through the universities, but they're all trying to tackle a certain problem, which is generally, we have a lot of people using it for lead conversion. So leads coming into funnels and dropping these messages in as a methodology to get more leads to come on board, engage with the company and obviously become a customer. Customer success is very much around activation. So kind of post sign up, post pay, getting customers to actually engage on the platform with the product and make sure they're active in those first kind of week to, to three months time. Um, if you're using activation, customer success teams tend to use it with all paid users. This is generally uh, done by spreading the load across a number of different team members, depending on the size of the company. If you have 10 paid users a month, super easy. I mean, e- each video takes kind of 30 seconds. So really, it's not a huge ask. Uh, um, if you have a thousand paid customers, then you've got a large CS team as well to support that. Um, that's generally how it's used. There is some there can be some kind of filtering depending on the size of the customer as well. So some teams might only choose to focus on customers with a certain ROI. So it makes sense for the time input. Yeah, that makes sense as well. I think it depends obviously on the number of customers that you have and what sort of the average account value might be for each one of those customers. Uh, you would be able to dictate how much time you can actually spend. Uh, but like you say, just 30 seconds, I think it sounds like you've locked it down to really good formula and easy way to produce these videos as well like is there something in there is the magic in there to easily and quickly create these videos yeah so so the, the way the way it works is it actually pulls information from your data source so, so let's just say a crm like intercom it pulls it in so when you open up so you you get a notification when the customer performs the trigger so let's say they they they, they pay and you're waiting two days to see how, how they go on the product Pings you, says, look, now's a good time to send a message. Here's all the information that you've, that you've selected from your CRM that you want to show. And it shows that Julie has, you know, completed onboarding, but she hasn't, you know, created her first project and she hasn't done X, Y, Z. And so when you send a message to Julie, you say, hey, Julie, I saw you sign up from X company. I saw you sign up and paid two days ago. Awesome to have you on board. I know you've done this, which is great, but you haven't done X and Y. Here's a link in the video to go and do those next steps. They're really important. So... It's all about kind of, again, customizing that, that, that messaging, but we show the information prior to recording so you can do it. And then when you press finish, you get back to work and we handle all delivery and tracking. Nice. So it's almost like you're building up a script for the success manager, for the individual who's trying to reach out to customer with like exactly what the user has been doing, working on, so you can really make it personal, but then also make it easy for that individual not to have to go now and sort through different metrics and CRMs and try and understand which users they need to be speaking to and then what they need to be saying to each one. Excellent. So how are you using Bonjoro then at Bonjoro? Yeah, so we... We use it to onboard every single lead. So we, we, we kind of go, go whole hog. So every single sign up that we get, we welcome with a message. We generally give it 
at least an hour after they've signed up. So, and obviously talking talking to Churn here, I am a product person, so I'm a massive believer of kind of activation as one of the primary drivers uh, for churn. So make sure people come in and get set up as soon as possible. So we'll leave it for an hour. We'll see those early metrics and what they've done. And there's a few clear indicators to us as to what makes a successful customer. So if you like, we have what we call product qualified leads. So we can see that if they, so if it's for Bonjour, you know, if, if they, if they haven't sent a video in their first hour, then we need to get them back in and we need to get them to test out and send themselves just a test video. Um, because we sit as a layer on top of CRMs, we need to make sure that people connect into their software. Whereas we do have the ability for people to use us without that. And they can just send videos off the cuff. Generally, we find those customers don't last as long because the ability of having a CRM is that, is that we're telling people you know, every morning, oh, here's five people who've done X. So we actually drag them back into the product each day. It's a much more stickier product that way. So if we see they haven't done that, we have some information generally about what CRMs they are using. And we say, here's a link to connect up Shopify. I see that you're in e-commerce. So again, every lead that comes in, we try and get them to um, a successful activation. We have a two-week trial, but it's within the first 24 hours that really matters to us. Absolutely. And you mentioned then as well in terms of like really a sticking point being connecting a CRM or where they have their data source. For you as a company, you mentioned a few in the early uh, on as well, sort of like MailChimp and or Salesforce or Intercom. can't remember the exact one companies now, but how did you go about sort of deciding and prioritizing on the different CRMs and different channels that you would integrate with first uh, for your customers? Yeah, look, so, so honestly, there wasn't that much science to it at the beginning. I think we made some good ones. We made some mistakes. So uh, I think one of the challenges we found, so, so we, never, we, we never really started to build Bonjour in the first place. Just We actually built this as a, as a lead conversion tool for our other company and one thing that led to another and it, and it kind of got taken up uh, and grown over to, over to the original company. So one of the challenges of that is that we've always been on the back foot trying to work out really who our ideal customer profile is. To that point, we, we started being, building CRMs that we thought ideal customers would use. And then as we went ahead, we would start to collect information. So, so during onboarding, we put a field in saying, what customer data source do, do you want to use? And so we started to use that information to um, help us make better decisions on what to use, where to use it. So for instance, the first thing we built was Intercom because we used it. Forward ahead, our most active integrations are, is a tool called Active Campaign who we hadn't really heard of at the time. I think they just raised about 90 mil. Like they're doing great, really, yeah. really good for us. But we had to discover that from customers. We made a really good early call. I think it was a bit of a fluke. We had a couple of musicians sign up, uh, which sounds funny, but they were, they were kind of bigger musicians and they were on this platform called Patreon, which I guess three years ago, yeah. people knew, but I don't think it was, it was huge. And I think we were probably maybe Patreon's second integration, I want to say. They just released an API. We, these guys are pretty nice. We're like, okay, whatever. We'll build an integration for them. Now, fast forward to Patreon raising $60 million. And Jack Conti, who runs Patreon, uses, bon, uses Bonjuro, talks about it on stage at events, et cetera. And it's become a huge deal for us. And honestly, I think that was a happy accident. So, yeah. so I, I can't say that you can always follow the data. Sometimes there are strategic partnerships 
where you may have not a single user that uses that, but you go, if we build this, we can then talk with that, with that integration with that company. And then we can potentially build a partnership and we can drive traffic into those pieces. Um, maybe the last thing to mention here is that don't always go after the big players. What we found especially is that when, so look, if you integrate with smaller softwares, there's a much higher chance that you can talk to, you know, the CMO, the founding team, do some co-marketing, look at how you can work together. Whereas if you, if you integrate in Salesforce until you get to, you're lost in the ocean, you know, yeah, yeah. You were, you were dropping the ocean. Yeah. And so, you know, we just, we did this, we integrated with Zapier really early on. Um, we were like Zapier's seventh growing app and Zapier helped us a lot with that, like hugely. So pick, pick, companies that, that I think are strategic as well as beneficial to users, you know, and that maybe have cultural alignment with you as well. Nice. So like not really much science to begin with, but over time you sort of figured out like the biggest opportunities weren't in the bigger networks, but in the more up and coming ones where you could actually have the sort of co-marketing opportunities and uh, actually have a bit more visibility uh, than like you say, getting lost in sort of the ocean of Salesforce or one of the bigger players. Uh, you mentioned something else, uh, Matt, that really intrigued me as well. I'm interested to hear sort of how this learning has progressed over your time is you said you started out as sort of building Bonjoro for your own internal uses to capture more leads um, for your agency that you had and that you still were trying to figure out who your ideal customer profile was. And I think like, how has this progressed over time? How, how has your understanding changed? Like, how do you go about really trying to refine and nail down who your ideal customer profile is, knowing that in the beginning you really started out as you, your company was the ideal customer profile in your own minds? But how has that changed? How has that shifted? Like, what's led you to where you are today? Yeah, so I'll be honest, this has probably been the hardest thing that we've tried to do, and it's ongoing, and we're not there yet. Probably the thing that we found hardest is that we've, been picked up by like a completely diverse set of industries and quite a diverse set of customer sizes. So like I say, like our, our big, our biggest customers are universities, but we're not, we're not corporate um, or enterprise. So we're, so kind of universities are our biggest customers. And then we have a lot of micro users and then we have, like I said, health professionals, charities, SaaS, like, 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 like you, like you name it. We have had them like on as a customer. And so you look at that and so like, it's a bit simplistic to go, what industry are we in? And, and we're not in an industry. Size, size of company is important, but because we tend to come in bottom up, it's, uh, so what I mean by bottom up is we'll get adopted by employees and by certain team members, and then we'll get adopted by more team members, and then we'll be taking up the organization rather than going in and pitching into head of CS at a large company and say, hey, you should use us. Yeah, it's the land and expand. Land and expand, yeah. Yeah, and this is how we got used by companies like ConvertKit, Entreport, like, like, like bigger CRMs, was that method. Now, that in mind, so, so we've done a lot of analysis. We started off a lot with Excel. So we just export massive dumps of customers. We would, we, we would go through customers' websites and by, like in the, in the thousands trying to work out what their industry was at the beginning. Now, since then, we have moved to a stage by when people come to our onboarding, we ask them to let us know. So we, we, this is, this is the, the end result of, of us saying this is what we need to do. So we ask them to let us know what, what industry they're in. And this obviously helps us better position things for them. We now have within the product a, 
a feature called campaigns because what we've worked out is that is that people are using us for certain stages of the funnel. So they're using us for, you know, onboarding or lead conversion or thanking donors, et cetera. And so we actually get them to set up a name, their first campaign during their onboarding. So we look at that and we go, well, this person is using the product for driving more, you know, reviews from their e-commerce store. So we kind of know, look, they're in this industry. They're using the product, more importantly, in this way. And that then helps us track who they are, what they're using, and then what you, what you can do from that is start to filter down and go, okay, well, well, A, which of these converts the best? And by convert the best, that's synonymous with who gets the most value from the product, and those are generally your best users regardless. Um, and then from that, following that down, who stays with us the longest, who has the highest lifetime value, which is the, I mean, I mean that, this is where it gets hard because you know, leading metrics versus lagging metrics Yep. So for the audience, really easy for us to see if someone's done a video on day one, really hard for us to see, you know, the average churn time of a customer in e-commerce who is using us for reviews because that takes time to come through. Um, but you try and match those up. You try and follow these different channels and different routes of different types of customers. And then you work back up to the top and say, well, this is, these are our most successful customers. These stay with us longest. Maybe let's prioritize the kind of features that these customers want over others because we know that those are our best users. Are there any specific use cases that stand out? Like, so maybe it might not be a specific industry or a specific type of customer, size of customer, but maybe a very specific use case that is like dominant overall uh, when it comes to Bonjoro. So I'd say we have kind of three primary use cases that are used. The, the most common, I would say, is lead conversion. Um, and this, some people call it onboarding, some people call it lead conversion. So, so, so in SaaS, they, they would call it on, like onboarding. Yeah. And this is, this is prepayment when you have users coming into a funnel, whether that's through a white paper, whether that's through an email list, or whether that's through signing up to your SaaS company, getting those customers to, to, to success before they've paid you a dollar so that they roll over and pay you that first dollar. That yeah. is... the. The reason that's most common is because it's actually the easiest place to it's, it's the easiest place to start. You can see results like within a week. Um, everyone has a lead funnel. It's binary. They either pay or they don't. So I think it's a really easy place to see if you get success. Second, after that, and this tends to be in more this tends to be in more SaaS companies. It's also used a lot in online education companies. Is activation. So someone's paid you, but what you'll find. And if you look to churn heavily, like you'll know this, people can pay and they cannot really get to success mm -hmm. on the product, you know, in the, in those first couple of weeks, and then they will go silent and then they will churn. And this is a really, I mean, this is my favorite part of the funnel is, is how do you feel to success once they pay? Because, it, because the pay, a lot of people think, right, we've got the money that that's it done. Like it's, it's just, it's just not at all. SaaS. Everyone in SaaS gets us. I think online education is really interesting because people will pay to do courses and then the amount of people who do not actually start the course is insane. I've learned this. I'm guilty of that. Story customers. <laughs> like, like it's nuts. Yeah, like that. And this, and this is, a, and this is a, it's exactly the same process as SaaS where yeah. it's activation. The final area we get used is, so I'd say it's, we class it as growth. Really, it's, it's driving customers who are with you to then, leave reviews on specific sites. So on a trust pilot or Google reviews, 
etc. And this is obviously using your customers to then create a channel for more customers coming in. Yeah. Okay. So you sort of have three sort of specific use cases and it really, it sounds like it follows the progression of the user journey with the most value being sort of that lead conversion onboarding, second then being activation, and then third really being sort of trying to drive referrals or references from customers in different channels. Uh, I, I, almost think, I almost think that's the order that it's easiest to do. And yeah. I, think, I think for any company, like focus on the whole referral and advocacy and word of mouth part at the end of the funnel is actually something that's a lot harder to measure. And it's something that, that we all do a disservice to. I think everyone's like, new sales is the easiest, like let, it's, it's new money. <clears throat> Activation, as you learn your business, you're like, ooh, there's a problem there, we'll solve that. The whole growth referral thing, honestly, is, is so powerful if you can get it to work. It's so, so good. The best companies are like 80% word of mouth, but it's not very visible. And so not every company even, even focuses on that. Yeah, I think it's Jason. I mentioned this in the previous episode, like Jason Lemkin had a blog post on this that it's, it's inevitable that at some case when the SaaS business hits a scale, that 80% of customers is going to be coming from word of mouth or referral. And uh, like obviously the sooner you can get there, the better, I guess, because uh, relying on paid strategies and uh, trying to unlock new growth channels to sustain growth is not very sustainable. Like you want to get your customers talking about you and that word of mouth going and referrals being a big channel. Yeah. We chatted a little bit about how you use the product yourself internally. We've chatted a little bit about sort of now one of the challenges being trying to understand who your ideal customer profile is. Uh, what has been sort of the next challenge when it comes to looking at churn and retention itself? Has there been any sort of like big thorns in your side that you've said, okay, like this is something we really need to figure out first? Yeah, so, <clears throat> so we tend to try and get as much data as we can on churned users and why they've churned. And, and again, I'm sure we, we all do this. Uh, it, it's hard because you'll have a silent majority that will churn and either won't give you data back. I mean, we do exit interviews. We do exit, I guess, drop downs on our churn page. Like you've got to try and pick apart the data and work out what's happening. So, you know, like, so, 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 so pricing may be given as a churn reason. Everyone will see this. Sometimes it is pricing. Most of the time it's, it's actually price to value. Um, so what I mean here is that it's not that you're too expensive because they paid in the first place, but it's the fact that the value you're offering is not enough for the ongoing cost. And so really you're looking at trying to how do you match this together? Sometimes it will be like pricing really is a component. So for instance, we actually ended up shifting up our pricing recently where we released both a lower tier plan and a higher tier plan because we, we, we understood that we have a, a very small type of user where our base plan was too expensive and it wasn't really giving them a route into the product to kind of grow with us as they grow. And so after a lot of kind of research, we decided to do this, it's been pretty effective so far, but trying to unpack how much of that was priced and how much of that was value. And then, and then, and then rebuilding a product around a lower price tier that, that gave them the value they wanted without cannibalizing higher price and tiers was extremely hard. Um, I think, the other what, what part was the hardest is, part? What was the hardest part? So, so we have so we start with so we had just 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 two pricing plans, and basically everyone was coming into the first one. We 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 would have larger customers on a higher pricing tier, not so worried about those. And large customers tend to tend to be better at attention anyway. The low pricing ones, we basically had, had this kind of midpoint pricing where it was a stretch for some small customers 
it was fine for other customers. And so if you release a low pricing tier, um, obviously the challenge is that everyone just downgrades to a low pricing tier, which, so how do you release something that is specifically targeted at small users that doesn't um, pull value away from the pricing tier you already have? So you have to look, you have to talk to people and go, look, well, how are you using it that actually the people who do find the middle plan valuable and are able to pay not using it? And that takes a lot of, it takes a, a lot of research. You have to look at, you have to look into the numbers quite a lot um, and try and understand user behavior. So for us, we used to do unlimited videos on all plans. What we found is that we had this small user who basically was creating about 30 videos a month maximum um, because they had much smaller funnels because they were early starts in business. And so we said, look, well, one way we can do a lower pricing tier is to add a limit here that we'd always said we would kind of never do, but it was the only way to offer a real cutback, real simple piece that actually would still provide absolutely the value for these smaller customers, but wouldn't be something that the slightly larger customers would, would want to use. And trying to get to that, to that metric and go, well, what, like, can we do this? Can we not do this? It kind of, it kind of challenged, it, it challenged one of the core things we'd always said we'd never do, which, which was a false assumption. Um, yeah. So that, that's probably the chat. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, it's always good. I think when sort of those initial assumptions that are made or like sort of things you say you'll never do and then you end up coming back on them. I think the more you progress in the business, you realize some of maybe the early assumptions that you made don't play out and they were maybe just assumptions in your own mind as well, maybe your own cognitive biases that you had. But it, it makes total sense what you're saying now, maybe for smaller customers, they don't need unlimited videos. And for you, so in order to offer that lower price, you need to maybe be able to limit the number of videos that are being sent to maybe bring down costs for you to sort of back that new price and lower level for newer businesses. So it's interesting that you say that you had to go back on sort of your initial assumption. Um, yeah, look, uh, hey, look, I feel like we, I feel like we do that every week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you don't, I think it's worrying. Like I think uh, you need to be able to be constantly moving and embracing uncertainty. I think when you're building a startup uh, or else uh, you're, you've lost before you've started. So the next thing as well, like uh, this is something I actually ask every guest that joins the show, and I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this as well, Matt, is let's come up with a hypothetical scenario now. And let's say that you've joined a new company and uh, churn and retention is really not good at this company. And you've been given 90 days by the CEO. He's asked you to take things over or she's asked you to take things over and really turn things around. What would be some of the things that you'd do in those first 90 days to try and prove some results for the company? Yeah, so I think two things kind of spring to mind straight away. The, the, the product, the data side of me would want to get straight into their day and have a look and try and segment out their customers and work out, are they giving everyone the same energy or have they actually, do, do, do they have an ideal customer profile? Do they know what that is? Uh, because one thing, you know, with churn is that if you have a wrong type of user signing up for all the ones in the world, they may never get value. And so it is less important to spend time on those and to focus on those customers and to listen to them versus, you know, the customers who are your perfect customers and you really should listen to it. You know, and for some funnels, you know, the, the best customers might be 10% of that funnel. And in fact, those are the ones you should listen to and those are the ones you should build and change the company and the process around. And if you do that, you'll be more successful. You might have to turn away more leads, but as a company, you're more successful. It's actually easy to support a focused customer base as well. It's easier to build product for it as well. It's easier to build messaging and CS tactics around that. So I want to look at that first and say, 
do you really understand who your customer is? You know, if your churn is high, maybe, maybe one, of the, one of the biggest challenges straight away is you, you don't know who your customer is. Who are the gems hidden in the rough? The second thing I look at is, so I, I believe churn can really be impacted from the very top of the funnel. So I think rather than being reactive and say, oh, you know, let's go back and get people because this person hasn't signed in for six weeks. I think if you start the top of the funnel well, then that becomes less of an issue. And so like, I am biased here, but I really think engaging with your customers kind of from the get-go. So going overboard to make sure that when they have issues, rather than just being a silent churner, they actually come in and say, hey guys, I've got a problem here. Can you help me? That's immensely valuable. And look, look, I'm, I'm biased that like having your team send videos is one way to do this because people are like, okay, look, you know, there, there are real people behind this company. Oh, Joe seems like a really nice guy. If I have an issue, I'm going to go and ask Joe if he can help me out. Like that's, that's one way of doing it. There are other ways. Um, but if you can get that and then if you can handhold them and help them through, you know, this activation period, which, you know, for me is, is more important than conversion. If you can make sure they get to success as quickly as possible and they know you and they have a relationship, a micro relationship with you. So that when they have challenges, they don't just, you know, get frustrated. They actually come in and ask for help, which is what a good CS team should be able to provide. I think if you really, really start there, the rest of it kind of starts to fall into play, you know, and then doing, you know, the generic message at, you know, two weeks, not non-login is less important because, you know, people are coming back into you. There's other things that come after that, which I think are more complicated, like, like, like making sure you have, you know, a great paid customer community. So that, that's a much more effective way I find to communicate with your existing users and pick upon cues early on before they go into a cycle where they start to become less active in churn. Um, yeah. But I think start at the top of the funnel, look at ways that you can, you know, get your CS team in front of your customers a lot more. You might think it's going to take a lot more investment in time, et cetera. Honestly, it's worth it. And you'll work out the processes that make that easier to do. For sure. And it all starts like you started out with really like understanding who that customer is, that ideal customer, because that enables you to serve them better, enables you to uh, target and market to them better and make sure that you're getting the right people actually through the door to begin with. Uh, so it all starts there. One thing I wanted to ask you as well is like, what's one thing you've learned now since building Bonjour that you'd wish you'd knew, known at the start uh, when it came to churn and retention? Um, I think, so it comes down, so it comes down to this ideal customer profile. We, we didn't do this for a long time. We didn't really dig into the data until we hit issues and we should have dug into it earlier before we hit issues. So Again, I, I don't think we had a deep enough understanding of our customer probably for like 18 months. Like, it's probably 18 months before we really started going, hey, we need to like work this out. And, and to be honest, we, like, we had to, like, we, one, of, one of our advisors was um, across one of the products at Atlassian. So he was like, hey, guys, like, th this, is, this, this is the thing. Uh, and, he was, and he was absolutely spot on. And then we kind of dug into that. So I think really, and by working at your customer, not just being like, oh, they're, they're this guy, being like, what is their usage? What do they do on day one? What do they do on day two? How do we how do we know that this customer's good? You know, are, are they consultants or are they consultants in in Ohio who own a you know a corgi? <laughs> like like how specific can you get? The more yeah. the more the better. And honestly, honestly, we haven't figured it all out. We still have this. This is a still a real challenge, but we're a lot better than we were eighteen months ago. Um, you know, you'll find 
you'll find you'll hit this that every stone you uncover uh, there's like five more stones underneath that like i don't think it ever ends for sure and i think it's also one of these like the ideal customer profile it's it's always one of these very nerve-wracking things because you don't want to make the wrong choice as well you want to make sure that when you've like honed it in that it's the data is backing it. You've done your qualitative and quantitative research and that everyone on the team buys into who this ideal customer profile is because if you don't have the full buy-in and you don't have the full confidence, you're always going to be like having one foot in the water or like one toe in the water and like not ready to really dive into it. And I think once you do, that's when things start to turn around and product decisions become easier, marketing becomes easier, customer success becomes easier. So definitely, I think this is a huge, huge point and uh, very, very important to get right from the early days. For sure. Uh, well, Matt, it's been a pleasure having you today. Is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with? Like, how can they keep up to speed with what you're working on at Bonjoro or anywhere else? Like, any last recommendations for them? Um, look, I think, I think back to, like, I'll say one thing that I think we have, we have as a bit of an ethos in our company. And again, caveat is, is that we are biased but but we kind of live live by the uh, the attitude of, of of automate processes but not relationships i think especially in online do not undervalue having relationships with your customers even if you have a massive funnel again it's very attractive to go the, the, the numbers route but you you can scale relationships so there's ways to do it video is one way there are many other ways to do it how do you how do you hold, you know, a thousand, 10,000 micro relationships in your team's hands? Because when you, when you have that, look, at least if you don't know the answers right now, there's a lot higher chance the answers will come out, come out from those customers and they'll come and tell you and they'll work with you. So do everything you can to foster those. I think it's incredibly important and automate the stuff that, that, that doesn't need a human. You know? Yeah. If you want to try one, check it out, sign up, it's free. We will send you, you will get a video from one of us. And if you apply, that, that, that's one of our teams. So say hello. But if you ever want any advice or want some help, hunt, hunt me down LinkedIn. You'll find me under Papa Bear. I think I'm the only guy in a bear suit on there. So feel free, feel free to reach out. We, we had an immense amount of help get, getting ourselves going. So I'm really willing to pass that on if I can. Awesome. Well, you heard it there as well. Like definitely, I think what you're doing at Bonjour as well really brings sort of that personal and human element back into software and really puts a face behind sort of the business, which I love as well. And check out Bonjour if you're interested. It's making your brand a little bit more personal and getting a bit closer to your customers. So thanks very much, Matt. It's been a pleasure having you today. I wish you best of luck now going forward and uh, hope you get a better grasp and understanding and more clarity each and every day on who your ideal customer profile is as you go forward. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Cheers. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review, as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.